A few years ago, we grew and sold a business that forever changed our lives. At first, we really struggled trying to figure out which tools to use to help run and organize our community. But that all changed once we discovered Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part, Kajabi doesn't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So you keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash M-U. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash M-U. Go to kajabi.com slash M-U and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. More and more entrepreneurs and investors are discovering the awesome franchise opportunities that exist across a variety of industries. Franchising can simply be the better path and interest in franchising is at an all time high. Lucky for you, John Austinson, founder of Fran Bridge Consulting and a past Millionaire University guest is here to help you explore the premier franchise opportunities today. John and his Frambridge Consulting team are part of the largest franchise brokerage in the U.S. and have vetted the market thoroughly. Frambridge is hands down the premier source for the best opportunities in the franchise world, including both active and passive opportunities. From tiny homes to youth soccer to industrial hoses to pets, senior care to mental health, and more. John has served as an Inc. 500 franchisor and is a multi-brand franchisee himself. And he does more placements than anyone else in the country. Sign up for a free consultation call with John today or get a free copy of his book, Non-Food Franchising, at FranBridgeConsulting.com. That's FranBridgeConsulting.com. Available in the U.S. and Canada. People will read the emails when they're interesting, when it's something that interests them. It's still an ad, but people are interested in reading that because it's not just an ad. Hey, hey, what's up, MU Nation? Brian Gearin back with you. And on today's episode, we are talking about email copywriting and list management with Bradley Schnitzer. He is a professional email copywriter and list manager. I am super stoked about what we're discussing because I don't know about you, but I get blown up by email all the time, right? We all do. Whether it's emails from a brand, emails from a company, emails from your Aunt Judy who's bugging you about the Christmas dinner you're trying to skip, they're coming at you from all angles. Even in Gmail, if you're a Gmail user, you have you know your promotions tab, your socials tab. Gmail has tried to break it down for you. But today we're talking about the importance of being able to land in that primary folder and provide incredible value to your buyers, to your prospects, people who love your business, your brand, the product that you're selling. So much so that the title of this episode is why email is the most important asset in your business. I think that so many businesses don't realize that and don't treat it as such to their detriment, leaving lots of money on the table. So whether you're a brick and mortar, small local business, service-based company, 
or an e-commerce business selling products online, whether you're small, medium, or large, email is an asset that needs to be in place in your business and needs to be utilized. Today, Bradley's gonna teach us exactly why that is, and he's gonna shed some light on how the email copywriting industry is an incredibly lucrative industry for any aspiring writer or business owner, freelancer to get into. So without further ado, let's put our hands together for Bradley Schnitzer, and let's learn about email. Welcome back, everybody, to the Millionaire University Podcast. Back with you again, I'm Brian Guerin, and I'm super stoked to have you joining us today. Bradley, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I want to get a little bit of your backstory and how you got into email copywriting. What led you to this profession? Funny story, I basically did a whole career 360. I came out of college with an accounting degree. I worked not in the accounting world, but in an accounting role at a very large company for little under a year, but kind of the classic cliche story. I didn't feel like the whole nine to five living in an office 40 hours a week essentially was for me. And so basically the moment I graduated and got my first big boy job, so to speak, I was looking for ways to start some sort of business on the side. I'd always been a writer to some degree in college. I was a columnist for the school paper for a semester. Before that, even I loved just to write in my free time in high school. Sometime late in college, I discovered, oh, people make money. You don't have to be an author or anything like that. You help people sell with words, right? And so I basically started that on the side two weeks, I think, after I got my first full-time job out of college. Eventually, I was able to leave that job behind, became a full-time copywriter. And there were some career changes within the writing world. I went copywriter, content writer, copywriter again. And then I started specializing in email marketing and email copywriting. And so kind of some ups and downs. I eventually, however, just ended up in the email marketing world because I decided I had to specialize and I liked writing emails. I liked the format and everything. So I went that direction. Awesome. Email is such a lucrative place to be, especially for e-commerce. And in today's episode, we're going to kind of shed a light on your profession of email copywriting, because I feel like it's not in the shadows, but I think a lot of people who, especially some people who want to be getting into business or using writing as a profession, they might not know that that's an avenue. That might be me being naive, but I know when I first got into marketing, I really didn't consider everything that goes behind effective email marketing, email copy, but we're also going to shed light on, for those of you who are business owners or prospective business owners, on how to actually implement email into your business and the basic things that you can do to start using it to your advantage and start making money from email copywriting, email marketing, whether you have a e-commerce business, a digital product business, a coaching business, or maybe even a more traditional service-based business or brick and mortar. Email has a place in every single business, and that's why, at least my opinion, I'm Bradley, I'm sure it's the same as yours, is that email marketing is one of the most important assets that you can have in your business, regardless of what it is. Bradley, can you tell us what is email copywriting and list management? Email list management is essentially everything that goes into, as the name implies, managing an email list. Everything from building the list to splitting up the list via segmenting the list to market to different people differently. But also within that, of course, is email copywriting itself. Now, copywriting is essentially just marketing and sales writing. You're writing something that the aim is to usually sell a product. Maybe it's to get someone to click to read a blog post or do something else, take a survey, for example. But usually it's to sell a product. It's to get someone to click through and buy the product. So that's copywriting. Email copywriting is just copywriting, but you know, an email form. So when you get an email from a brand and maybe it's telling a story or something like that, and then at the end, it mentions their product and it urges you to click through and buy that product. That right there is email copy. That's copy in email format. 
And then list management is everything else that goes into successful email marketing strategy from segmentation to building the list to figuring out your email flows, all that other stuff that we're going to get into. Let's talk about who is on a list. Is it past customers? Is it people who made a purchase? Is it prospects? Who are these people that are on these lists that we're talking about? Email lists can have both people who have never bought before who just found your site and signed up through email list. It also can be almost all of your past customers because when people make a purchase, they usually have to enter their email so they can get the confirmation, shipping, any other details they need to use the product or service. So it's basically anyone who gives you their email address. Those are the people who end up on your list. If they've never bought before, that's where the list comes in. You can turn them into customers via email marketing. And if they have bought before, of course, you can continue to build that relationship with them and maybe get repeat business from them. From my agency experience, we don't necessarily specialize in email copywriting, but for service-based businesses like residential home services, we still utilize email heavily because we use it for like welcome sequences for prospects. So if you're in a business where you get people's information, they submit it to you on your website, that you can set up an automatic flow to your email where it welcomes them right away. It puts them into a sequence that explains who you are, what you do, and you know how you do it, and that you'll be in contact soon to provide a service. But this list has their former buyers or their former customers. You can call them current customers, but also the people who are not yet customers. So that's the double-edged awesome part of the sword for email is that it's got people who have bought from you and presumably like having bought from you and the people who have yet to buy from you. So it's a very powerful way to communicate with people, especially on a one-to-one -one basis, right? Because you're entering the most sacred place in terms of marketing, really, right? The, a person's inbox. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Facebook ads or any other like ads out there in public, so to speak, it's one to many. You're trying to get to all these people, even if you write the copy that's kind of more person-to-person -person focused. An email inbox is different. It's kind of like a physical mailbox. When you get mail in your physical mailbox, that person is writing to you. That mail is to you, even if it's from just your bank giving you like a bank statement or something. It's to you rather than just to a bunch of people. An email inbox is just the digital version of that. It's like you're getting just digital mail. So it's one-to-one. -one. It's much more personal. It's That's why people are more protective of their inboxes, especially today with so much more email marketing going on. People are protective of their inboxes. So it's like a sacred space, so to speak. I wanted to ask you a question on what makes it so valuable an asset, but I think that's the perfect answer right there is the fact that you have an opportunity to speak to them in a one-to-one -one fashion in that sacred zone, which is that inbox, right? Because not everybody makes the inbox. You kind of have to earn your way into it, but then once you're there, you need to provide value. You need to give them a reason to buy the product or to have persuasive copywriting that says that, hey, this product might be for you. Looking at the ROI when it comes to email marketing, what information do you have around that? Because I keep saying it is the most viable asset, but businesses don't want to invest in things that don't have an ROI. What does that look like for email? There's this old stat that always floats around. that's like for every dollar you put in to email, you get $42 out. And that sounds like insane. You know, I don't know exactly how they came to that number. And it's also several years old. From my own experience, it is very high ROI channel because like we said earlier, it's one-to-one. -one. It's their own like kind of personal private space online where instead of like a public Facebook post, it's one-to-one. -one, so it feels like you are communicating with this individual. You can build a relationship much more easily, a much stronger relationship. And so if you do it right, people want to buy from you. They want to hear from you. And of course, unlike physical mail, where you have to pay for the paper and the postage and all this other stuff, email, I mean, you have to pay for your email software, but the amount of emails you can send out per dollar spent on the email software, you can send so many more emails versus having to send, you know, physical 
letters in the mail. So you mentioned email software. What is the software that you typically operate out of for your clients? And we'll talk about a few different pieces of software that are kind of based for different businesses, but what's the one that you use? I work with a lot of e-com brands. And from what I've seen, Klaviyo is by far is the best for e-com. It's very intuitive for e-com. It, it can like integrate with Shopify and I believe a few other online like storefront software programs and whatnot. So it's very easy to build email flows. It's pretty easy to write and schedule campaigns. It has like drag and drop features for, you know, adding your logo and stuff to email. So it has a lot of features that are very helpful in that regard. You know, it's got reporting. It has a nice dashboard that shows you your kind of overall efforts, your top performing emails and everything. So Klaviyo is by far one of the best for people selling physical products. The one I have the second most amount of experience with would be ConvertKit. Low cost. It's fairly simple. It's definitely designed for creators. So people who are usually like solopreneurs, you know, it's just them running their business and they're selling. I mean, it can be for service-based businesses. Like obviously I provide services, but if I were to say launch a info product, like an ebook or a course or something, ConvertKit is designed for those types of businesses. A lot of their own copy, it talks about creators and launching your course and things like that. So if you're launching a course, ConvertKit is definitely a really good email service provider for that. I haven't really used MailChimp from what I've heard. MailChimp's pretty popular. It can also be for e-com, but brick and mortar businesses, a lot of places with physical storefronts use it to great success. That one is a fairly simple, low cost one as well, if I remember correctly. But admittedly, I haven't used MailChimp a whole lot. Klaviyo and ConvertKit are my two kind of specialties. And then one other that I have used a little bit is ActiveCampaign, which to me seems like it's built for service-based businesses that might be a little bigger because it has like CRM features, like customer relationship management features where you can, if you're a service business providing higher level, like higher ticket services to other businesses, it's kind of like a place where you can store like the person to contact at that business. You can store all their information and then you can also run marketing campaigns. So it kind of has both of those components in there at once, making it, in my opinion, pretty good for service-based businesses who may or may not also sell info products. So those are kind of the few that I've used. There's a lot of others out there, like Omnisend is one, Aweber is another. I have my opinions on which ones are the best, right? As do you. Like when I think of email for e-commerce, it's Klaviyo. I managed a brand about three or four years ago and I used Klaviyo and I loved it. I almost wish I could manage more brands so I could use email copywriting with Klaviyo. At my agency, we typically use MailChimp for our clients because they are smaller, local, brick-and-mortar, service-based businesses where they typically have their own CRM set up already. They just need email functionality. And MailChimp is really good for basic sequences. like They call them journeys, and we'll get into those in a minute here. But And then uh, newsletters. So for a small, local, brick-and-mortar type of business, newsletters are one of the best ways you can stay in contact with your people. And MailChimp is perfectly fine for that, and it's inexpensive. I think it's maybe 20 bucks a month, depending on the size of your list. We manage a list that's pushing about 6,000, and I think it's about 130 bucks a month for them. So ConvertKit, I also use that for my own um, agency email list because, yes, I'm a service provider, but I am kind of a creator. I have a few of my own digital courses, things of that nature, and I just want to stay in contact with my people and have the proper functionality. I love using the landing page builder on there. I think that's a big bonus to ConvertKit and they're 29 bucks a month. It's affordable, it's powerful, and the deliverability I found on ConvertKit is done really well. Like it, it works really well. ActiveCampaign, I have used that too. And I, th I agree with you, the CRM functionality of that is good for more of these smaller or service-based businesses. All right, so let's get into more of the blood and guts of email, if you will. So 
There's a few of the most important pieces when it comes to email marketing. And I want to start with basic flows, or um, I know this word could be interchangeable with sequences. So Bradley, I kind of want you to take the wheel and lead us through the basics of email and how this can be a huge benefit to your business or informational if you're aspiring to be in the email copywriting game. So like you said, every software seems to call it a different thing. I think Clavio calls it flows. Sounds like MailChimp calls it journeys. I mean, automation, sequences, it's all kind of the same thing. They're essentially at least one, but usually like a string of automated emails that a customer or a potential customer or a user, it triggers and starts sending to them based on some action. And the whole point is it sends until it accomplishes some goal and then it filters them out of that flow usually. So I'll just explain with an example. So one that many people are probably familiar with is the welcome sequence. If you go to, for example, an e-commerce store and there's a little pop-up that says like, hey, get on our email list, you get 10% off your first order. So you put in your email address, maybe your phone number too, because there's more SMS marketing nowadays. You get an email that's like, hey, thanks for signing up. Maybe it tells you one or two sentences about the brand. And it's like, here's your discount code. Go use it. That right there, that's a welcome email. And for some brands, technically, that could be the whole welcome sequence. But you know, a lot of brands will expand it out. They'll use their welcome sequence to tell their origin story, highlight their best products, share testimonials, do some other storytelling from other happy customers. Either way, the point is the welcome sequence triggers when you get on the email list. And the goal of it is to kind of get them familiar with the brand, you know, bring them into the fold, so to speak. But the ultimate goal there is to get them to make that first purchase. And once they make that first purchase, the welcome sequence usually will just filter that person out automatically. And email software does that automatically. You can like arrange triggers and filters and all that stuff behind the scenes to make sure that people are only getting the emails when it's relevant. Because once they buy, they don't really need the welcome sequence anymore. So that's an example a lot of people are probably familiar with. Another example that's even simpler than that, if you ever shopped on Amazon and you know, you're looking around, you add something to your cart, but then you know, maybe you aren't sure if you want to buy it or it costs a little bit of money, so you have to think about it. I don't know how much later Amazon does it, but say like 30 minutes or an hour later, you get an email from Amazon saying like, hey, you left this in your cart. That's an abandoned cart email. And that basically triggers when you, know, you add something to your cart, but you don't finish the order. So the goal of that, of course, is to nudge you over the edge and get you to finish the purchase. And that only triggers when you add something to your cart. And those might be a few emails. Again, the goal there is to get you over the edge in buying. And once you buy, it stops sending to you. So it triggers based on adding something to the cart. And then it stops sending to you either if you never buy and then the sequence ends. Or if you do buy, then it filters you out of that flow. So, And then there's one other one that is fairly common, an abandoned browse sequence, which is kind of the same thing. But instead of adding to cart. It's when you just look at a product and the company has your email because you've already bought. So they have your email. You get some emails talking about the product. Like, Hey, you looked at this product, any questions or, you know, it starts selling you on the benefits of the product or telling stories about it from customer testimonials. So that would trigger if you look at the product and once you buy, it stops sending to you. Or once you make it to the end of the flow, it stops sending to you. So in short flows, they're just an automated set of emails that triggers when you, the customer does a certain action and then the goal is to get you to buy, or maybe it's to reply. You know, it's usually to buy a product or to finish your order or something like that. Once you do, it filters you out. So I'll just really quickly talk about the benefits of that. They're fairly obvious. Once you set up a flow and the flow is well done, you know, it's got good copy and the triggers are right and whatnot, that just runs on autopilot in the background 24-7. You know, it's, it's like a 24-7 salesperson that just doesn't sleep. Whenever some customer meets that action that triggers the flow, they go into the flow. And then if they buy, well, then they buy. And you just made money without having to do any work there. You do the work once up front, and then you set it and you forget it. You don't forget it completely because you do want to 
know, sometimes tech things go wrong and maybe an email breaks or you go in and you want to update some copy to increase conversions or something like that. But it's kind of like your baseline. They get you like a baseline level of automated revenue so that you can spend time in other areas of your business and start getting more out of your email list. So that's kind of like, in short, kind of like how flows work. How long are these flows? Because I know uh, when I first got into marketing years ago, I was starting to get familiar with flows or with sequences. You, then you start realizing it when you're generally shopping as a civilian, like seeing how long some of these flows are, some of the frequency or how quickly they reach out to you. When you're handling these accounts, how long are these flows? Are they over a certain amount over? For you. It can vary widely by the industry, you know, the brand and everything like that. And also the flows themselves. So like typically like your standard abandoned checkout flow. And I think even Clavio has like a, just a templated flow that you can just generate automatically if you just need to get something there fast. But an abandoned cart, for example, might be just like three emails, just like reminder, second reminder, hey, one last chance to get your discount and maybe some benefit copy in there or something like that. I've written an abandoned checkout sequence that was six emails long just because it was a little higher ticket of a product. It was like at least $100. So they needed some more emails probably. But some flows are like one to two emails. It's just one automated message that goes like a shipping confirmation or something like that. That could technically be called the flow. And it's just like one email or maybe two emails. But then something like a welcome sequence, depending on the brand, you know, those might be at least five emails because welcoming them to the brand, origin story, testimonials, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different things you can include in there because customers might have all sorts of different reasons that they haven't bought yet. And you kind of want to address all of those. And then there's flows on the back end, like after a customer buys, there's, you know, a post-purchase sequence that could be like three emails. That's just like, thanks for buying. Here's how to use your product. Hey, here's another product you could buy that, you know, an upsell email. Here's another product you could buy that goes well with this product or 15 emails long spread out over a month. I've, I've worked on both. It really varies widely. It, it ultimately depends on the price of the product, the goal of the email sequence, how many things you're trying to accomplish with that sequence. So there's guidelines, like I said, like an abandoned checkout or an abandoned cart email. Three emails is usually a good start. Welcome sequence five to seven. But those aren't hard numbers. The good thing is with email, you can test things and get data almost immediately. You, you add more emails in the next day. Now people are going through those new emails and you're seeing, okay, is this getting us more sales? Is this not getting us more sales? Do we need to change something earlier in the flow? You know, so there's not an exact number for every flow, but there are definitely guidelines or like starting points that you can, you get the flow in place. And then later you can go back, you can test more emails, fewer emails, things like that. And once you're in a flow, you're now also part of the email list. So let's say the flow is maybe a quick three emails over three days, but you're also now on the list. So you're going to start getting the campaigns from this company as well. Campaigns blend right into our next topic, which ironically is campaign. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone plus Shopify 
Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash MU, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash MU to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash MU. So let's talk about the differences between those basic flows or sequences and what a campaign or otherwise known as a broadcast, what are we dealing with there? Campaigns and broadcasts basically mean the same thing. Some software might call them broadcasts, some might call them campaigns. I think, yeah, ConvertKit calls them broadcasts. Clavio calls them campaigns, I believe. So they're both the same thing. What you're essentially doing is, whereas with a flow, you're writing a bunch of emails, you're building it out with a drag and drop builder in the email software, and then it just runs on autopilot except for when you go back and you know you tweak and test things. A campaign or broadcast is you are writing an email manually to your list or to like a segment within your list. You know, if you're on an email list and you, you're not getting any flows, but the brand is writing an email about maybe they're sharing some tips on how to solve some problem the customer has. And then they link to their product at the bottom because the product gets them better results than just the free advice that they provide in the email. Like I love to go to the gym, so I'll use a bodybuilding example. So maybe your audience is bodybuilders and obviously... Every bodybuilder, they want to get, gain more muscle, right? So maybe classic example would be like three tips to gain more muscle or to get stronger in the gym or something like that. One, two, three, and you just give them three little tips. And then at the end, it's like, oh, by the way, this supplement can help you get better results. And then you're selling your supplement or something like that. So that's essentially what a broadcast email is. It's just you're writing emails manually to your list. Ideally, you're writing copy, you're sharing advice, or you're telling customer stories, you're telling stories from your own life or whatever it is, and trying to kind of build that bond with the reader while also getting them to take an action. Usually that's buying, but it could be leaving a review or it could be anything, but that's essentially what it is. It's where you're just writing to a bunch of people, but it's still one-to-one. You're writing to one person, but then sending out in mass to that one person, so to speak. So they have to be emails that the, the reader wants to read. We'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but there are brands that just send out like emails that are nothing but just images. Those are technically campaigns, but when I write, I like to have it be more copy focused and whatnot. The good thing about broadcasts, though, is that if you're passionate about your niche, they're really easy to write. Like I have a client who is in the sleep niche. I actually have a product from their competitors. And then I recently bought my client's product to compare. And funny story, it turns out my client's product is actually better in most ways. So what's cool about that is I'm passionate about this niche. I'm the target market. And so it's much easier for me to write emails in this niche because instead of me trying to like figure out all the psychological tactics to try to get someone to buy or trying to like figure out how does the customer think or whatever, I'm kind of the customer already. So it's more like I'm sharing stuff that works for me or I'm sharing cool things that I find interesting that I know they will find interesting because they are the same target customers I am. And then I'm simply providing my client's product as a solution to whatever problem it is or as a way to make certain results that they're getting work better or something like that. So campaigns, it's how you get the most out. Once you have the flows running, the campaign is how you get the most out of your list. You're writing to your list, whether two days a week or seven days a week, you're building a relationship with them. You're sharing cool stuff with them. And you're also selling them. You're providing offers. You're giving them a chance to buy. That's kind of what campaigns are in terms of email marketing. So I want to talk about frequency and the difference between writing one-to-one style emails or more story-based emails versus heavy HTML, which for those who don't know what heavy HTML means, that's think of like your basic email from big box brand. These are typically very heavy HTML. You can tell they're designed almost like images on Canva, right? Professionally done, typically blasting you with some sort of offer that usually isn't that great of an offer. They've got a lot of images of their products, a lot of click to buy now type of buttons. That would be considered an HTML heavy email. 
as opposed to one-to-one or more story-based where it's, think of it as literally an email that I would send to you as my friend, right? Like, hey, Bradley, maybe they sell like meat sticks or something, right? We were walking out on the farm where we purchase our beef from and, you know, starting into a story and having it be from the owner of the company or maybe the marketing director or even the someone in the business writing that email more one-to-one. So I want to combine that with frequency as opposed to if I were to get a lot of HTML heavy emails from one brand every single day, which does happen. To me, those are emails I start ignoring. But there are brands that I follow where they email every day to nearly every day, at least every other day, and they're more story-based. They're more one-to-one. I read every single one of those emails because it's providing more value or they're teaching me something and it just happens to be about their product or about the service they provide. I want you to riff a little bit on that, on frequency and the importance of one-to-one. If you ever heard you know, the show Mad Men, it's about you know, the 50s or whatever advertising executive kind of era. There's a guy from that era in real life his name is Howard Gossage, very famous ad executive from the Mad Men era. And he said something like, people don't read ads. People read what they're interested in. Sometimes that's an ad. It's applicable to basically every advertising medium. Like Brian was just talking about here. That's kind of the HTML versus the one-to-one. When people are getting just those image-heavy emails, those are just kind of like billboards in their inbox. Those are just ads. People aren't necessarily interested in that. Now, maybe there's one or two people who like want to buy that t-shirt for 50% off right there because they're just hunting for that deal. But it's still just an ad. Let's go back to the sleep niche. Your audience, they're struggling to get sleep. They only get like five hours a night and they want to get up to like seven or eight hours a night. So they feel great throughout the day and they're not sleep deprived and tired all the time. Well, instead of just sending, you know, here's our product, you know, and just images of their product, maybe it's the founder of the company writing about this cool, you know, stress management technique that helped them calm themselves before bed. And now instead of taking two hours to fall asleep, which is something I used to struggle with. So I know where these people are coming from. Instead of taking two hours to fall asleep, they fall asleep in maybe 15 minutes. Don't you think that a sleep deprived person who spends every night staring at the ceiling for two hours, struggling to fall asleep, don't you think they'd be interested in learning that? Because instead of taking two hours to fall asleep, now they can fall asleep the snap of a finger essentially. And now they can feel much more awake in all these things. Like that's something that would interest them. And so they want to read that. And it just so happens that, well, Our product helps you do that. Our product helps you, or the thing you're teaching in the email, helps the customer solve a problem partially or to some degree, but then it just so happens that our product here helps you get that result even faster or helps you get even better sleep in this case. So that's an ad, but it's something the reader is interested in. And that's why one-to-one storytelling or like personal email works. And if you think about it, if you go back to the mailbox example that we were talking about earlier, when you get a letter in them, especially now with some, you know, it used to be like getting an email was cool. Now it's like getting a physical letter is even cooler. When you just get like a physical letter, even when I get them from like a bank, like trying to sell me on a credit card or something, I will still read it sometimes because it's cool. It feels like they're actually writing to me instead of just sending me like, here's our product. They're writing to me. It's a person writing to me. Even if I know as a marketer that, you know, it's a mass mailing, it feels like someone is writing to you rather than just like, pasting a product in front of you. So that's my philosophy on one-to-one versus HTML. And I will say one other thing, that's not to say that you should do only plain text. A lot of e-com brands like to put their logo at the top, right? They'll have some brand colors in there, depending on the brand voice and personality, throw in like a GIF or something like that. I've done that for clients before. I've used memes and whatnot. You know, it makes people laugh and it's relatable and everything. But, you know, you don't just want like your product in like flashy colors and lots of things moving in the email maybe your logo, maybe a picture of you, depending on how comfortable you are doing that. I've had clients before where they wanted the picture of the sales rep in there to just kind of establish that personal connection. But even then it still establishes a personal connection. You're seeing someone's face. People will read the emails 
when they're interesting, when it's something that interests them. It's still an ad, but people are interested in reading that because it's not just an ad. The other thing is frequency and cadence and whatnot. So a lot of brands, you know, if they haven't emailed at all, it's like, what if they unsubscribe? What if they hate me? What if they report me as spam? Especially if you haven't emailed at all. Well, the thing is, if you go from zero emailing to any emailing, you will get unsubscribes. I mean, you get people unsubscribing on your automated flows that are running all the time, always. So when you start emailing for the first time, you will get unsubscribes. But the thing is, if they're sitting on your list and not buying from you, if you just send them one email and they unsubscribe, they probably weren't interested anyways. It helps you in a bunch of ways because a lot of email softwares, you pay per contact, right? So if you shed a few hundred people and it drops you down to like a lower level of service, your email marketing costs might've just dropped for that month. You downgraded to a lower tier because you have fewer people you're sending to. It also improves your stats, opens, click-throughs, because all those people who aren't relevant to your brand, you just shed a few hundred people off that email. You have high unsubscribes there, but now every email you send going forward to that same group of people, there'll be more opens and more clicks, or I should say higher percentage, which helps your deliverability. It makes your stats better, which helps you get in the email inbox of the people who matter to your brand. If you're growing your brand, if you're growing your list, you have traffic coming to your site anyways, whether you got SEO, you got maybe paid traffic or social media traffic. Oh no, you lost like 400 people over a few emails, but then you have hundreds of people coming every day to your site and some percentage of them are hopping on your list. So all you're doing is you're losing some of those like irrelevant customers. And then you're getting people who do want to hear from you and maybe buy from you at least once, if not more. The next level is some people get uncomfortable with mailing daily. A lot of people in copywriting space who have their own list, like myself, I don't always mail daily because I get really busy and sometimes my email list will fall by the wayside one day. But a lot of brands, it's scary to go from zero to seven days a week or zero to five days a week. If you're trying to start a business or if you're running a business and you haven't emailed at all, usually what I would do is like go from zero to just like once or twice a week, wait for those initial unsubscribes to happen, you know, all that stuff. And then you kind of stay there for a couple of weeks. And then you try, okay, let's add one more email. Now you're at three emails a week. Now look at the stats. Are lots of people unsubscribing because there's one more email? If so, go back down to two and keep going. You can always test and try new things, especially if you're constantly getting more traffic onto your list. Now, if you go up to three emails a week and you don't see a lot of spam complaints or unsubscribes or anything like that, and you see a spike in sales because you're now selling three times a week, there you go. Now you're making more money without anything but writing one more email a week. Do that for a few weeks, go up to four. You can kind of go up and down as needed. That way you can kind of nail the right frequency without harming your deliverability, without harming your relationship with your list. Ultimately, you are a business, so you should not be afraid to sell or to sell through email. Unsubscribes, are they're always going to be part of the game. I've explained this to customers in the past where it's like, oh, hey, we had like three unsubscribes yesterday. And I'm like, good. Those are people that weren't going to buy from us anyway. They self-cleanse your list. It's going to be a boost in your stats because the people who matter are the ones who will remain on your list. Now, there will always be a percentage of people who unsubscribe. There will always be a percentage of people who remain on your list, but they're not very engaged. And then there's going to be people who are your core. They're your tribe. They're the ones who love your emails, love your product. They are the most engaging with your emails. Don't be afraid of unsubscribes because that's a good thing. Now, it can be a bad thing. Like if you're sending emails and you're getting an inordinate amount of unsubscribes, maybe your emails aren't so hot. Like, or maybe your product sucks. Like, who knows? Like, I, hopefully that's not the case for many people, but that's a great tip on the frequency because that's the number one thing I hear when I talk to people about email is like, oh, you know, I don't like, you know, we usually email once a, once a quarter. And I'm like, well, what is that netting you? And they're going nothing. I said, okay, well, why don't we change that? Let's, let's do a little bit. How about let's start at once a month. Then we'll bump it up to bi-weekly. 
And then, you know, based on who it is and what their business is, of course, if it's appropriate, I'll say, okay, let's try twice a week. And just like you said, just kind of follow that slow but steady and keep dripping, adding in more and just following the data. See what the people on your list, how they react. Yeah. One other thing I want to say on that real quick is if you only do it once a quarter, well, people will completely forget they're on your list and they're more likely to unsubscribe. Three months later, they're like, why am I on this list again? Who is this? And then, But if you build up that rapport and they're used to seeing you in their inbox, you know, three times a week, your brand will always be in their head, right? So they will know who you are. They'll remember who you are. And even if they don't buy off of the first eight emails they get, if they don't unsubscribe, that means they're probably tuned into what you're saying and they might buy off those emails. Right. And I like to use a comparison to sales. It's one of the lines of, if I know that I have a product or service that can help you solve a problem that you have, I am doing you a disservice by not telling you about it and not reminding you of it if when I did tell you the time wasn't right, but it's on me to keep reminding you that I do have the solution for you. Same goes for email, regardless of what your product or service is. If you're not using email to consistently remind people that, hey, I have this product or service, typically product, that can help you solve a problem or make you feel better or it can fill a want in your life, right? I am doing you a disservice by not consistently showing up in your inbox and telling you about it. As a business, you're selling outcomes. You're solving a problem. The customer has a problem. They have a goal. They want to solve that problem. You know, you're selling an outcome. And those emails help reach those outcomes because they're teaching them something. You're telling a story about how someone else solved that problem. And then your products are also bringing those outcomes. People want products, but they don't really want the product. They want the solution. They want the comfort or the relief of the pain that the product provides. So the emails are part of that. The product is part of that. So yeah, you make that mindset shift. Emailing is less about, oh no, I don't want to look spammy and more about, hey, I'm sharing things for free that help the customer. And then I'm providing them a paid option that makes that result better or faster or more complete. So you got to kind of think of email that way rather than just as ad, ad, ad. Exactly. And I know there's one big thing for email, holiday promotions. Now I want to touch on it for just a couple minutes because that is such a huge part of email marketing as a whole, but the importance of the frequency and the quality of your emails throughout the year that can result in nailing holiday promos like Black Friday or Christmas season, holiday season in general. What are your thoughts on that? Every customer, they're on various email lists, but the funny thing is, you know, a lot they, they don't hear from a lot of brands. Those brands, maybe they just don't realize the importance of email. They're afraid to email, but they only hear about those brands in about, you know, late October to early November when early bird sales start coming out and customers aren't used to hearing from you via email. So like I said, when you first start mailing, you will get a bunch of unsubscribes. Well, during Black Friday, Cyber Monday season, the one time where customers are usually just accepting of getting a lot of emails and SMS messages and stuff, you'll get a lot of unsubscribes right then because they're not used to seeing it. Depending on who the customer is, they might also feel like the brand just sees them as a bag of money and not a person, right? So you don't hear from the brand at all. And then November 1st happens and then some Black Friday pre-sale stuff starts happening or even the week of Black Friday but if you're emailing all year, you already have this dedicated base of people who like to hear from you. They're used to hearing from you. They want to get your emails. And now they're even more fine with getting Black Friday, Cyber Monday emails, but they're also like they're used to it. And so when Black Friday happens, you can create more excitement. You can make Black Friday more just a hey, we're knocking 50% off all our products or whatever it is. You can get a lot more like advanced with Black Friday. You can do all sorts of cool stuff. You won't get like a ton of unsubscribes because not only are your customers used to getting emails on Black Friday, but they're used to getting emails from you. They'll unsubscribe from a lot of the brands that they never hear from. But if you're emailing throughout the year, it kind of brands are used to getting emails. And so you can do a lot on Black Friday and it'll make your Black Friday results even better 
because people love to hear from you. And, and then when there's the great offer, the discount or the bundle deal, well, that kind of seals the deal right there. So just mailing all year provides a foundation for those big time sale times of the year, like Black Friday or December, you know, people doing like five days of Christmas sales or things like that. If you're emailing all year, the customer wants to buy from you even more because they're not just like, oh, they're just mailing me because of the holidays and it's just a deal. It's just like your other emails, but now there's this extra component of there's a really cool sale going on or whatever. Yeah, it makes too much sense because if you're silent all year, and I see this from so many brands, like when I say sign, either they're, they're not emailing you throughout the year or it's very, very sparse. But then holiday season rolls around and I'm just getting blasted with these emails from this brand that I was like, I completely forgot about you. And now you're blasting me with this offer that's usually not even a really good offer that I'm not going to take advantage of anyway. I just sit here and as a marketer, I have more of a, a window into it, but it just shows the importance of how brands cannot neglect email as this asset in their business because there's way too much money to be made. They leave so much money on the table that it's honestly shocking. Yeah. And one last thing I'll say about the holiday promos is that, like you said, a lot of brands just start blasting you out of nowhere with, there's not anything to the deals or the discounts. It's just who can give the biggest discount, right? But if you're building that relationship with your list, then you can kind of turn Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you can almost turn it into like an event where you can launch a new product and give first mover discount. You know, the first people to buy get some discount. Every purchase you make, they get an entry into a contest. You have this relationship with your list. So it's less of a hey, we have a discount and more of you're building this experience. The customer feels like they're involved in something and they want to buy from you more. And it's like, it stands out. You can even get away with like, your deals aren't as good as the competition, but you still make more sales because the customers are like participating in this event because they're used to communicating with you via email. And, you know, if you have smaller discounts and worse deals, so to speak, but you're making more sales, more of that money ends up on your bottom line. You have more capital to reinvest in your business and grow. So emailing all year lets you turn Black Friday, Cyber Monday into less of a, hey, everything's on sale and more of a, we're doing this cool event type of thing. It can make it much more lucrative, not just from a revenue standpoint, but from a profit standpoint. The holidays don't have to be a race to the bottom, like just about everybody else when it comes to their offerings around the holidays. Like you get all these emails and you're like, 50% off, 60% off, look at this, oh my gosh. And of course, by the time you get there, all the sizes that you fit into are gone, but that's besides the point. And one of the most fascinating parts about email marketing, which we didn't have time to get into today, is the offer creation aspect. Like you were saying, you don't have to have the best offer to make the most sales or make the most profit, which is the most important thing, with your promos, whether they're holiday promos or promos throughout the year. There's so many cool, creative ways to be able to get in there and do it still make those sales and not give up a ton of your margin on the front end. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get into that today. So I want to make sure I'm respecting your time here, Bradley. As we said, the most important asset in your business is this email list. And I think you hit the nail on the head of showing us exactly why that is. So I want to thank you again for joining us. I want our uh, listeners to be able to find you. Where, where can we find you, Bradley? Yeah, so my website is uh, bradleyschnitzer.com. So you can go over there and my email list is on there, bradleyschnitzer.com slash subscribe. Currently working on an ebook that goes over basically all the email flows that your business should have. When that's ready, I'm going to try to launch that to my list. For now, if you go over and subscribe to my email list, you get my four email mini course. That also doubles as my welcome sequence, fun fact. And uh, that just goes over like little holes in your business, like leaking revenue you want to plug as soon as possible. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. I post on there a few times a week. 
ideally daily, but a few times a week. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, Bradley, you knocked it out of the park today. Um, we learned a ton about email copywriting, email list management, and the gig in general. So appreciate you being with us. Uh, your time has been uh, well-received here at MU. So thank you again. We'll catch you next time. All righty, take a bow, Bradley. Dropping some incredible golden information nuggets for us, enlightening us to the industry of email copywriting and list management. Bradley nailed it on the head that email is one of the most important assets in your business, if not the most important asset, regardless of what your business does. Because of the power of being able to meet people where they are in that one sacred spot in the digital landscape that we have, which is our inbox. If you're able to relate to people and build that know, like, and trust and continue to bring people back to your service or product via email, you have a tool in your tool belt that so many other businesses don't have or don't realize that they should have. You have an unfair advantage when you're able to construct emails that are many times one-to-one -one relating. They're selling with stories and they're providing value, giving the people that will buy your product or service a great reason to do so and to continue doing so in the future to build that lifetime value. I want to thank Bradley again. This is some incredible information around email. There's so much more that goes into this industry. I wanted to share with you the basics today and I think we knocked it out of the park. So thank you all for listening with us today. We're going to catch you on our next episode. We can't wait to have you back. Hey, Eric Fisher here, and if you love the conversations and lessons happening on this show, and you've heard my voice before, you'll love my show, Beyond the To-Do List. It's a podcast about productivity and getting things done in all the areas where we wear multiple hats and roles, but also about the true meaning of productivity, living a more meaningful life. Look, you've got a never-ending to-do list, but add this podcast to your to-do list and it will help you tackle the rest. Go right now, wherever you're listening to this, and search Beyond the To-Do List and hit follow or subscribe. Start listening and get that boost for your productivity that you've been needing. Again, that's beyond the to-do list. Search in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.